1: That crispy fish, that savoury tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love
2: the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.
1: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, I'm Tom Butler. I'm Brendan Duffy. And I'm Tom Wheatley. And you're listening
2: to to
1: the James Bond A to Z podcast. Join us as three lifelong 007 fans go on a journey of discovery. We're on a mission to discover everything we can about cinema's greatest spy films. By learning about the people who made them in front of the camera and behind.
2: The James Bond A to Z podcast is in no way affiliated with James Bond, E.ON or the Fleming Estate. We've researched each episode as extensively as we can, but our information does come from a range of sources. We do our best to make sure the information is accurate, but sometimes we can get it wrong. If you want to correct us on something or add some more detail, email us at podcast at jamesbond 8 Z.co.uk.
1: Hello and welcome to the James Bond 8 Z podcast. This is uh, going to be a no time to die uh, reaction uh, podcast. Um... Uh my name is Tom Butler, as always, and I'm joined today by I haven't got a funny intro for you, Brendan, because this is oh, a bit last fine. minute, but uh yeah. Mr. Brendan <laughs> Duffy. Uh Hello. it's a bit of an unusual episode today because um due to holiday arrangements and seeing the film, uh we well, splitting it into two halves. First half, I'll speak to Brendan about the film. He and I saw the film yesterday at the premiere. I saw it at the premiere, Brendan saw it at a press screening. And then Tom Wheatley, he'll have seen it at a theatrical release in the cinema and he'll have seen it uh, tomorrow. So anyway, I'm going to speak to Brendan first about No Time to Die, but we'll be as spoiler free as we can be um, talking about the film. Um, but obviously, if you want to stay completely clear of anything, then and then feel free to tune out. And this is obviously very different to what we usually do on the A to Z. So um, apologies if you're waiting to hear more about... Um, I don't know, Dr. No or Diamonds Are Forever Ever. Or Max Zorin, you know. Or Max Zorin, yeah. We'll get to him. We'll get to him. You saw the film at, uh, you saw No Time to Die uh, at press screening uh, in London. Tell us about that experience first. And obviously, let's be clear, we don't want to talk about plot in this episode, okay? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So
0: really exciting opportunity to get to go to the press screening. You know, you could feel the buzz about Leicester Square, 'Cause obviously all the cinemas were showing it, you know, they're all doing the press screening at the same time. Um and you get into the foyer and they're they're serving cocktails and um Heineken beer, obviously. Um and then everyone takes their seats and you can there is a, like there's that that excitement. You can you can really feel it. Um So yeah. Which which cinema did you so see? So the at? Odeon Lux, which uh I believe has
1: just been recently refurbished. Um, yeah it's had a major refit it's got Dolby sound and I have to and say
0: the refit is amazing the The seats are incredible got little like trays and um,
1: yeah, yeah amazing I mean that's that was the home of the James Bond premieres for many many years so you really got the the, the premier experience there right seeing it at that uh, at that cinema and so it was packed yep full full house yeah what was the reaction like to the film in the audience because well, we'll come to my experience, but I was in a room of dedicated James Bond hardcore yeah. fans. But what, what was it like for you? Um,
0: there was The excitement definitely came through. People were applauding. Um, and the first time you see Daniel Craig on screen, there was an applause. So there's definitely a real positive vibe going on. You know, really, yeah. you know even if people there w- weren't Bond fans. I mean, Lorraine Kelly was there. I don't know if she's a Bond fan, but she was there uh, drinking in the atmosphere. So, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a
1: positive atmosphere. hundred percent people were excited yeah. for it and, and reacted well. So, um, I saw it, uh, at the premiere. I was invited uh, to go along by, um, uh, the guys at MI6. So that was a very, very generous of them to, to think of me, uh, to take me along. Um, so I, it was at the Royal Albert Hall and, uh, there was people meeting up beforehand for drinks and what have you. And then we sort of went along and I went, walked along with George from cinema savvy. So that was really nice. Mm. So we had this nice experience of walking down round the Albert hall, seeing the whole thing and then joining the queue. And obviously then because of the COVID uh, restrictions, we had to give our, um, we'd had to prove that we'd had a negative test recently. we got a little sticker on our, on our tickets and then we just joined the queue and how, the royal albert hall works is if, is they have one entrance which is the sort of the the red carpet for the celebrities to come get their cars dropped off and then they walk down the cameras are there there was no press pen sorry no fans so there was no cheering fans um there was a little bit of it that people were gathered watching it but it was all closed off and then the entrance we came in was on the other side and we sort of joined a red carpet that ran concurrently with the celebrities <laughs> but like was separate was very right. very separate yeah And there was obviously all photo opportunities along there and you'll see photos online what it was like. But it was just such a thrill to be there. They had the music playing, you know, View to a Kill, like any Bond theme you can think of, they were playing it. They had um, the Land Rovers from the film there outside. They had the DB5, the Battle Damage DB5. They had the Vantage V8 there. They had obviously then had a huge stage where they were doing celebrity interviews with the cast and what have you, um, seeing all that. And if you do a red carpet, you've got like thirty-five minutes to do the red carpet, basically. And they want to get you off the red carpet as quickly as possible. Yeah. But everyone just wants to stay on the red carpet to see the celebrities come in, and um, so you sort of end up circulating. I saw Rami Malek come in. I saw Jason Momoa come in. Um, David Coulthard was there in the in the queue in front mm. of us. A very re- weird mix of people. And then I saw Daniel Craig later on coming up the red carpet. So that was great. Got a great picture of him. Um, yeah. And then and then from that red carpet experience, then going in and went and had a drink inside in the bar, like a very short drink because I didn't want to have to use the toilet. Of course. Yeah. And then we went and sat in our seats and... Um, yeah, it was just phenomenal. I, I was worried that the screen was going to be too small, too far away. The sound wasn't going to be great. But the, we even up in the gods, we had great seats. Yeah. And the buzz for the film was just insane. Mm-hmm. Everyone was just so thrilled to be there. And obviously there was royals there as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Charles and Camilla and William and Kate and so that was an added extra bit of excitement so once we'd gone in then they closed the red carpet and the royals come in and then you sort of watch that on the on the screen. Yeah. And then once the royals came in and were seated then they had like um, buglers come out and they did like a royal like bugle whatever it is um, to say that the, the royals were arriving and then Barbara and Michael came out and did a speech and they sort of thanked everyone for like being there and the money that they raised for charity because he had to make a charity donation to get a ticket um and then they sort of thanked everyone and they said you know we're here to celebrate daniel's last film we're here to celebrate the real heroes of the nhs and blah 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 and then interestingly after michael had sort of given his speech um and before they're about to introduce carrie fukunaga barbara sort of went off script and said can i just say something
0: Who has been an amazing producing partner and
2: a fabulous brother? So I just want everyone to welcome
1: Wilson.
2: Well, uh, I would like to introduce our director who will present the cast. Please welcome Carrie
1: Kruganaga. But she basically says, I just wanted to say thank you to my brother Michael for being such a great partner on these films. Um, and I couldn't do it with anyone else and blah, blah, blah. But it just felt at the time, everyone sort of looked at each other. Like, mm. is she saying this is his last one? That's, that um, feels like that. That's that, yeah, yeah, it did. It did feel a little bit like that. Then Kerry Fukunaga came out and then, he introduced the cast and then Daniel gave a little speech as well. And, and, and then, and then it all, it all dimmed and, and, and the film started. Um, so shall we talk about the film? I mean, yeah, I, again, I don't want to talk about too no. much about plot and it's so hard. It's, te- it's without terribly spoiling hard, it. isn't it?
0: Yeah. Cause yeah. What
1: can we, I mean, we just talk about the thoughts, I guess, without actually, uh, why I tell you what, let's start with some of the positive things to talk about in that, uh, the cinematography on this film. Which I think is it's one of the best looking james Bond films ever made, I think
0: yeah, I think it's it's visually stunning um it's so rich there's there's depth to it um the again i don't wanna i don't know how much I can say we all know there's a scene in Italy, don't we i mean yeah, yeah. that's that's yeah. that's in the trailer um and that looks unbelievably good uh, it's yeah. just you are you feel like you're there. Uh, it's it's honestly it's brilliant um but yeah i probably agree with you it's one of the best looking bonds
1: yeah linus sangren is the the cinematographer on this film and um it's 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 beautifully lit um there's a lot of very stylish use of colors in Mm. the film as well i think um, and the real world locations, you can really feel it. And, and whatever CGI and visual effects they used in it, it's so seamless. You can't, yeah. there's no joins anywhere. Which is
0: exactly what you want from CG. You know, it's, yes. Yeah. complementing
1: yeah. what's already going on. Yeah. yeah. But what I will say is from the start of the film, I know we started talking about cinematography, but one thing I want to say about the film, which I was thinking from the start, and it's more at the start of the film than it is later on, is it's a very, maybe not gadget heavy, but high tech technology heavy mm. in a way that it sort of felt almost like a callback to a Pierce Brosnan era film. Yeah. There's a lot of technology that gets used that's sort of on the cusp of being realistic, but also a little bit daft. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you catch my drift. Yeah. Um, for me, that that's an issue because the rest of it,
0: they're trying to go very realistic. Yeah, and and it it sort of plays against that, and and that that's that was a problem for me. Uh, yeah, uh, without saying anything else.
1: Uh, yeah, I, for me, I wasn't that bothered. I it felt more to me like it was like a fun. It was kind of a nod to being a fun James Bond film, which is what we always want, right? Yeah. So yeah, so that's cinematography, music. Thought Hans Zimmer did a really good job until the final third,
0: probably. Right, it went a bit Batman begins or dark night heavy. He just, you know, when he starts to lean on his organ and you can't, it, it's sort of, it's detrimental to what's actually going on. Uh, you yeah, start to lose yeah. dialogue at times. Um, yeah, but the first two thirds, I mean, there's the, the opening track, uh,
1: in Matera. Stunning, mm. stunning. Won't say anything else, but it's stunning. And it obviously leans heavily into Bond's heritage, um, in a few obvious ways. Mm. In fact, there's two, there's one scene um, where Bond's meeting M, where you really have to listen out for a particular John Barry cue that you will recognize that's done so beautifully. And then obviously other John Barry cues throughout. um, And I thought that really worked. And also something on the music and the audio, the bit where there's an explosion and Bond is deafened is, is really well done. It's been done a million times before Mm -hmm. in movies, but the way that that, then segues into the music I thought was brilliantly done yeah. and really cool. Yeah. Really, really cool. Yeah. R- proper um, immersive filmmaking that. Um, yeah. 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 Taking it right back to the beginning then, we the, obviously we've got a pre-title sequence. Uh, won't talk too much about what happens in that, but then it goes on. It's quite a long pre-title sequence, it's very long, I thought. very long. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And a bit disjointed because it is really pretty much set in two different time periods. Yeah. And then... We've got what we were really excited for, which was the Billie Eilish and the, the theme and and the and the title sequence, and I think I have to say I thought it was really disappointing. Yeah, I
0: thought it really fell flat. I, I just I, I thought with the song that fantastic, uh, just it felt a bit phoned in. It's nowhere near as like, you, you've seen Skyfall. How amazing that was. Yeah, uh, and yeah. Casino Royale, and and yeah, you know they've got a song that is up there with, with them. It's not as good, but it's, it's definitely up there as as a Bond classic. And yeah, I, I just, uh, I didn't feel it
1: connect with that song. No. Um, I'm sorry if we repeat a lot of this later on when I speak to Wheatley about it, but um, I think these are things that will come back up again. Yeah. Um, I think the one thing I thought with the title sequence is that... Um, it just didn't really have a, a, a unifying vision no. that you could grasp onto. Mm. There was a lot of things going on. I like the sort of the vision, like the idea of Britannia and the time, but it just felt like all stuff that had been done before. Someone was saying it's like it's very on a Majesty's Secret Service in the Brita- the vision of Britannia yeah. and that sort of stuff. But yeah, okay, I, I enjoyed the the visual nod to another Bond film
0: at the beginning. There,
1: yes, yes. Um, and also, we had a, we had a, a, a gun barrel, which I think is one of the best gun barrels that's ever been Great done. Great b- no.
0: gun barrel, and I, I liked uh, I don't know if it's, uh Just turn it off now, if you. If this is going to spoil. It. But I liked the lingering barrel afterwards. Yes, I thought that was fantastic. Yes. Really so enjoyed cool, that. Yeah,
1: it? yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's cinematography, music, stunts, and 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 action set pieces. There's one clear highlight for me, but what what was yours?
0: Uh, set piece, that, uh, Cuba. Uh, yeah, le- yes. Leaps 100%. and bounds. It's absolutely fantastic. That is what I want from a von film. Um, yeah. It was. It it left you wanting more, which is exactly yeah. that's that's the feeling. You know, when they could oh, again can't say too much, but when that piece finishes, you're like that was so satisfying. I want more yeah. of it, but also I appreciate what how, why what? they've done it like that
1: what we what we did something i noticed as well sorry to scarf on another tangent but they make quite a lot out of how much james bond drinks in this film yes <laughs> it's quite a recurring joke isn't yeah. it whether it's a joke or a theme i'm not sure but um and particularly in that cuba scene mm. i i you, you, he does it have it has this action moment where he starts with a drink has a drink halfway through and then has another drink at the end of it it's it's crazy yeah. But I really, I love that Cuba scene. I just think it's fantastic. And Anna D'Armas is uh, superb. I really hope she gets to come back. Mm-hmm. Matera felt a bit flat to me. It was good. I felt like I'd seen a lot of it already. Yeah, but that's purely because they've showed so much in the trailer, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I did like the bit with the car and the, the guy shooting the um, shooting the windscreen. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really, yeah. really cool. The, the side window. Stuff I really liked. I like the, the, really like the stuff in London. I mean, Bond um, in London
0: is always fantastic, isn't it? It's just
1: yeah, it's, yeah. It's it's great. It's and it's it's no spoiler to say that Bond has retired at the start of mm. this film. That's in the synopsis, yeah. and that was I thought was really interesting in seeing him as a man and not a double O in the real world. Thought that was quite an interesting something we hadn't seen before. What else can we talk about? without giving too much away. Other characters? We can talk about performances, can we? You know, yes. Yeah. I thought Daniel Craig is great in this. Yeah. I, it can't I can't he's... be faulted. Yeah. I think no, it, I, and no. it, he
0: looks like he's having fun as well. Um, yeah. Which is yeah. another important factor from a Bond. You know, you want to, they've got to look like they want it. And he he did look like he wanted it
1: in this. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, I thought Nomi, uh, Lashana Lynch, I thought she was fantastic. Oh, great. Yeah. Um, just a lot of energy and, attitude and I yeah I, I can't, don't 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 want to say too much but I feel like she's a little bit let down towards the end of the film uh, um, yes, but I, she gets I know the, the exact moment yeah yeah mm. but I know but she gets some really cool stuff to do and she's just really capable mm. um, which yeah. is which is fantastic who else can we talk? David Danchik, who plays the uh, the, the the scientist, who's at the centre of the story.
0: Yeah, I bet you like him. he not got he's got throwback feel to
1: him, hasn't he? He's got a Boris. <laughs> he's got a Boris yeah, feel yeah. T- for him. Uh, he's very it's bro- very broad, and weirdly because he's in Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy as well. I don't know if you've seen that film. But oh, I have, He plays yeah. a very very different type of mm. mild mannered civil servant. Um, but I thought he was- and. Uh, can we say who's in that scene with David Denchik at the start? Yeah, surely. It's, I don't know, is it
0: a spoiler? It's not a spoiler really, is it? Although it He's is there. it is satisfying when he comes on, so don't maybe not. Maybe yeah, don't say maybe it. Yeah, maybe not.
1: Yeah. I mean it probably won't play in America at all. <laughs> Cuz no, no, no one'll know who he is. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's one for our uh, English listeners. Okay. Yeah. Um and hopefully you've seen the film by now uh, to if you're listening to this. Yeah. Uh Rami Malek um i liked him i don't think he got enough to do
0: ah i just i don't know whether it was the direction or the character but yeah i just wasted his talents i think that's what i
1: you know from what i understand he wasn't even on set for that long um Mm. any other oh uh, christoph waltz Pretty much doing what he did in the last film. Doing what
0: he did. Uh Slightly disappointed, I think I was.
1: I liked his introduction though in that little like ca- little box yeah, that he yeah, gets. It's, it's brought into the room. It's a, in. it's
0: a great entrance to the to the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. The other thing, the other concern, and I just I don't buy the Madeleine Swan relationship with bond i don't buy it the, no
1: there's no there's no chemistry, chemistry at there. all and, I've, no. and because
0: i've never bought it i don't particularly
1: care that's which that's a yeah strange. a lot of it hinges hinges on that as yeah. well doesn't it yeah are there any other characters to talk about primo he's a fun uh henchman i, I like his quirk with the eye with the eye yeah uh yeah let's leave that at that yeah. um but i thought he was good he kept coming back he was sort of switching allegiances slightly, but yeah. um, I thought he was interesting. Yeah. Uh, M, I, I quite liked M in this. I thought the the sort of Bond's family was quite interesting. M is sort of quite central to the plot, mm-hmm. um, and but then Q, I just thought this film really Ben Whishaw was just fantastic as Q and getting to see a bit more of his life. Um, obviously now canonically a gay man as well, which is you know
0: yeah i uh, do you know what i enjoyed about that the way it was just not a thing yeah uh, just the way they dealt with it was fantastic
1: great yeah 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 that's perfect wasn't it and i loved seeing his house and how he was preparing all that yeah food. and his cat money <laughs> yeah money penny gets a bit of a short shrift because she doesn't have a huge amount to do neither does tanner but the fact that they are centrally involved towards the end is, is 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 really important i don't know i thought tanner was quite busy in this He's got. He has got. There's a He got. He gets a really funny line, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah, So uh, he I, I, looked great at the premiere, by the way. He had like this orange crushed velvet jacket on. It was orange or red, but he looked fantastic. Trying to outdo
0: Daniel Craig. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, yeah I agree with Money Penny. Quite, quite. Yeah, short, short straw again. Um, yeah, well, it, it not kicked on from
1: from Skyfall. Really, it's a shame. Yeah. Uh, right, two more things I want to cover before we wrap up because I don't want to keep on for too long yeah. or else it's going to drag on, but uh, direction and then the pacing of the film as well. So maybe we'll talk about the pacing of the film. It's a long film. Did it feel long to you? It felt long, yeah. I, I, yeah. I would, It probably could have had 20 minutes taken off of it, to be honest. Mm. It's episodic. I think that's the that's the problem. Yeah. And, and I know Bond films are, sometimes they are episodic because he's got to go, find the mm. clue, move on to the next mm. thing, move on to the next thing. But I to me, it's, it, yeah, the pacing is, it's more evident at the start, I think. It takes a while to get going. And especially when Cuba happens so early on mm-hmm. and you're like, I want another Cuba, but like, it doesn't really come back, does it? No. And so then in terms of Kerry uh, Fukunaga, do you think he's had, does he think he puts much of an imprint of his own style on this film? Uh, I don't think so.
0: I think he's making a Bond film.
1: Yes. This is exactly what I said Mm. last night. Yeah. he, Where Sam Mendes came in as a big director and made a Sam Mendes Bond film. I would feel like Fukunaga's come in and made a A really good Bond Bond film. film, Yeah. Not a Cary Fukunaga Bond Bond film. I don't know if that's unfair or... That he's got such reverence for the material that he knows what to deliver and not to deviate from the formula. Yeah. So that that's probably a good thing. Yeah. Rather than it trying to do something, put it into a, what is it, the square peg into the round hole. Yeah. It's. Yeah. He's not doing um, a
0: Lee Tamahori, is he? No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, thank goodness. Um, but overall, is it a thumbs up, thumbs down, one... Can have a can have a
0: middling now. thumb, like a, a, a shaky in the middle thumb. Um, you can you can
1: take that, yeah, yeah. I think it's going to take a few watches for me to fully digest it. That we'll just say there's so much in the film. Yeah, so yeah. many things happen. That, like for hours afterwards, you will be going, "Oh yeah, that happened. Mm-hmm. And Oh yeah, the teapot. Yeah, and oh yeah."
0: <laughs> 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 it's it's gonna it's gonna spark furious debate, I imagine. Um, yeah
1: i think it will do i think it will do
0: but for for now for me i
1: yeah I'm, i am gonna have to see it again um i thing is though i, I when and i always end up talking about rise of skywalker but when i when rise of skywalker was coming out i was so excited for it and i booked myself to see it three times
0: Cancelled the and other by two the thir- <laughs> I was, by the
1: third time i was done <laughs> But, even after the first time, I was done, and yeah. I only went through with the other times, but this I'm like, I'm ready to sit again. If they'd have rolled it again, I would have sat there and watched it. oh again. no
0: i i I wouldn't i I need some stewing time, and then I'll revisit, so I don't know if maybe well I'll... listen
1: when we get to end for no time to die, it'll probably be summer next year, yeah. so and we can talk about then. it. <laughs> And we can talk about <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, let's wrap it up there, Brendan. Okay. Brendan, it was an honor to talk to you and to see you yesterday before the screening. Yeah, it was great. Only yeah. the second time we've seen each other since the podcast started. Yeah, exactly. Which is mad. <laughs> um, so, yeah, good. Right. Now, on to Mr. Negative Tom Wheatley. <laughs> <laughs> right. So spoken to Brendan and now this is recording uh the following day um no 2 days later because Mr Tom Wheatley uh has now seen the film uh finally seen it I've got to apologize first of all <laughs> because when I signed off with Brendan I said to him right now we'll go and speak to Mr Mr negative Tom Wheatley because generally you've been less for- you've been less forgiving of Daniel Craig's Bond films <laughs> Then perhaps me and Brendan have been, but yeah. So we were both waiting with bated breath to hear what you thought of the film because um, you saw it uh, on the day of release, um, and your yep. response was much more emphatic than <laughs> Brendan's and I's, which we were quite surprised with. So, just first of all, um, before we dive into it, wh- uh, tell us about the cinema when you went to see it. Was it a, was it a packed house? No, it was. Um- uh, I'm currently
2: in Lincolnshire at the moment, so I went to a very small. Well, it was, it's not too small. It's not. It's not your average um, sort of multiplex. Uh, but I got reclining seats. Uh, there was only about eight people in there
1: when at lunchtime. It was absolutely fantastic. Ah, perfect environment for it, then, isn't it? Um, and and what was the general response? Was there whooping and cheering and clapping?
2: <laughs> well, most of the people in the cinema were like probably in their seventies, so it was very quiet afterwards. <laughs>
1: I couldn't gauge anything from from the audience. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Well. So yeah. So that first response when when you messaged us to say you're out, obviously the first response you can't we can't really talk about because we want to keep this spoiler free. But you said that you loved it. You, st- you Still stand by that. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I I I I mean, as you well aware, and the listeners are probably well aware, I went in with a very negative viewpoint, thinking that I'm going to walk out being angry, annoyed, um, and Maybe thinking that the whole of the Daniel Kerrig era of films has probably gone out on a, a low point, but that that worked to my credit because I was pleasantly
1: surprised. Ah, that's that's really good to hear. I, I've got to say, after having slept on it a little bit more, um, I am I, I was I was a bit sort of in the in the middle um, with my opinion on it. I am leaning more towards. My initial gut instinct was that I was I really enjoyed it, and I'm really really excited to go see it again. Um, just to give it another spin when there's less expectation and you can just sort of enjoy it a bit more. Um, are, you, are you planning to see it again soon or?
2: No. Well, this is one of the things I think I, I, I found about the film is that I I think it is a very enjoyable, well put together, thought out film that covers a lot of stuff that could have gone very wrong. But I also think it's it's not necessarily what I would class as a archetypal sort of Bond film so I don't feel sort of need to re-watch it anytime soon I think it would be a mistake for me to re-watch it soon because I think the length and just the general theme of how it all works would probably I'd probably find it a bit boring if I watched it again anytime soon oh interesting ah oh, that's that's mm-hmm. that's interesting to hear because I... Sa- same way as if I went to see anything if I went to see um I don't know, uh, wrote to petition or something and enjoyed that. I wouldn't think, right, I'm going to go and watch that again in a week's time. I'd probably go, well, maybe I'll pick it up on in a few months when it's out on TV, but I'm not desperate to see so it. So just
1: as background then, do, have you ever, do you ever go to the cinema to see a film twice while it's in the cinemas or do you generally just wait for it to come back to home entertainment to go see something again?
2: Very, very rarely will I see a film twice. I mean, the only times I will see a film twice is if I really have a lot of free time. Yeah. And there's something, maybe... Maybe something like, and I didn't watch this twice, but I would have if I was really bored one day and I don't have anything to do, maybe something like Endgame where there's a lot going on and I just wanted something to kill some time that's enjoyable.
1: Yeah, I think that, thinking back, I saw Endgame a few times, I saw the the Star Wars films a few times and... Uh, I've seen Jurassic Park at the cinema as many times as I can see it because I love it. 850. Yeah. but let's go back to No Time to Die again. we try and keep it spoilers. And I also don't want to tread on too much of the same ground that I discussed with Brendan. Um, so first things I want to ask you is about Daniel Craig. Um, what do you think about Daniel Craig in this film? Um, I think he's very good. I think he... I'm not the biggest
2: fan of Daniel Craig. And when, I, when I'm looking at this film, I'm not looking at it... I think there's an element of it is it, I'm looking at it in its own sort of Daniel Craig like, b- bubble. So I'm not necessarily saying it's better than a load of other earlier films like Goldfinger or Doctor No or anything like that. But I'm saying as part of that series, I think it's a very very good film and it really sets that series off on a positive note i think a lot of that is due to daniel craig he seems really engaged in this he seems really interested he's actually i think he's enjoyable to watch in a lot of it because it looks like he wants to make this film and i think the ones that the films previously that he really wasn't that keen on making you can tell in the films and i, I don't think you get that i think he's he's quite into this and it makes a difference
1: yeah i think a lot of it plays uh um because of he, because he is re- retired from active service at the start, and that's not a spoiler because it's it's in the synopsis, we get a version of Bond that is much more relaxed than the brooding version that we've had for the past four films, um, and yeah. I think that plays to Daniel Craig's strength. And I think you're right; I think he does seem to be enjoying himself a lot more. Um, yeah, and they, they also play to the fact that he is older. He looks quite a bit
2: older, um, but it works because they've addressed it very well. I don't think they address it very well in some of the earlier ones. Even in Spectre, it's poorly addressed as, as the fact that he's getting a bit older. Yeah. And I don't think any... There's no Bond series that ever really, um, you know, covers the fact that they're getting older very well. So I think this they've actually really focused on that this time and made it quite sort of... Um, what's the word?
1: Um, refined as a smart way of doing it. Yeah, yeah. I think um, the way that he interacts with the other characters is more accurate i think specifically with the female characters um it sort of plays to that uh, more nuanced um recognition of of his age than any other film like you get a a touch of it in diamonds are forever you get a touch of it in never say never again but you're right this is the one that like really gives us the bond in his early 50s post-service
2: He's definitely, and I, I think the film itself. They've, they've, they, I think they've had a lot of meetings and a lot of discussions about the sort of awareness of the characters. And I think he's very, uh, he's an aware character in this one. He knows he's older. He knows the world's changing a bit, and he he, he tackles it with like a little bit of humour. And um, sometimes he's annoyed by it, but you, he understands why. And in the earlier films, and especially in the sort of Dimes are Forever and stuff, it's not it's not a, an awareness. It's more like just not happenstance.
1: Yeah. Well, just something else then to move on to. Um, uh, obviously, the Daniel Craig era sometimes is considered to be less of a humorful, like a bit humorless era of Bond. This film, to me, personally, I thought it was probably one of the funniest Daniel Craig films. I thought it was witty in places. What did you think? Yeah, I think it was. I mean, it, it's
2: not a comedy. If you're listening to this now and expecting uh, <laughs> joke, jokes, carry on spying, uh, quite yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's, there's, I mean, there's subtle jokes, but it's, it's a sort of knowing comedy where it's around the characters you, you kind of really enjoy anyway. Um, his relationships with a lot of the characters have a little bit of humour in them, which is done very well. So I think um, I, I, when we did uh, the, uh, we won't go out until after this, but when we talk about um, sort of uh, Dr. No and Die Another Day and things, whereas Dr. No has this level of, The jokes in it are thrown in because the script is good, whereas Die Another Day, the jokes are thrown in because they had to put in a requisite number of jokes. I think this one, they've gone back to that sort of they've written a good script, which might be partly to do with Phoebe Waller-Bridge or or someone coming in to do that. But I think the jokes aren't there for the purpose of being jokes. They've been there because they worked with the script, which I think works quite well. And they're not obvious jokes. They're sort of subtle Certainly entwined in the story. Yeah,
1: it's it's in the interplay within the characters, isn't it? Less than the sort of crowbard in um, quips, and there are some crowbard in yeah. quips, but I think obviously there's one real standout one towards the the yes. end that um, I think will, will go down in uh, Bond history. But you're right. I think I yeah. think it's 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 in service of the script. And talking about that, actually, something else I think in this that. Is really interesting is that the way that the film, the the story goes, um, how it's how it, how the plot is strung together, and how the action sequences um, feel don't feel forced in a way that we would get in like something like Die Die Another Day. You know, they all have a purpose. Yeah,
2: yeah. I I think and actually when when you asked me earlier about what people were saying when they came out of the cinema, there are a bunch of um, sort of youths that came out. And they hated it. They were walking out saying, Lord, a load of rubbish. Too much chatting and, and not enough good action sequences. But I think this film probably plays into the fact that it wanted to end on quality and not just filling in action for the sake of action. It doesn't feel like quantum or anything like that where it's about the action. The action is very cleverly interwoven. And a lot of the action sequences, they're good, but they're not they're not over the top in the way that some film like especially Die Another Day goes too far. But this is I mean, it's it's by no means casino royale sort of levels of action. There's a lot more to it, but it's slower and thoughtful, and those sequences are a little. There's more depth to the action, and it's intertwined with the the storyline. So I think they, I, I I loved all the action because I thought they were fantastic.
1: But talk about callbacks. Then um, there is a, a certain amount of referencing back to previous Bond films. are uh, do you think there's too much? The right amount? What do you think? I think it's spot on. I'm always the
2: biggest naysayer when it comes to callbacks because I don't like them, especially in a lot of the films that we've seen. But uh, there wasn't anything I saw. I mean, I I spotted probably about 10 callbacks, I think. I don't know if there's more. I'd probably have to have a rewatch or read something on it. But there were like... They weren't fan service callbacks. They were smart callbacks, like story-based callbacks. And I think they worked very well. There's very few like clangers where I thought, oh, don't put that in. That's ridiculous. It wasn't, again, it wasn't die another day. It was much smarter than that. No, I
1: think if it had had been an anniversary film though, I think people would have appreciated it. Like it would have been enough for an anniversary film. I think there's slightly a little bit too much looking back rather than looking forward and forging a new path. But then this is um, Bond in a later age. And that's when you sort of become melancholy and you sort of look back. And so it kind of fits the tone of the Mm. film, I think.
2: Yeah, well, I, I think a lot of the callbacks in it were they don't draw attention to them. They're just things that happen, like something that somebody's wearing. Yeah. And if you're a fan and you look at it, you go, oh, I remember that outfit. They've used that as the as this one. If you're not a big Bond fan and you don't remember all the films, you're not going to notice. No. You're not going to know any of the callbacks at all, which I think is, works well. Whereas when they draw attention to callbacks and you're not a fan. It's boring and you don't. Care. Yeah, it's
1: not like the Q scene in Die Another Day, is it? Where he's switching on the yeah. rocket pack and that sort of stuff. Yeah.
2: It's because if you're not a Bond fan and you have a scene like that, it's just why is this man showing all of these random things? It's a, it's a fan service, but fans already know it, so you can You can do it. Sort of. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: True. But what do you think of the production design in this film? Again, this is something we can talk about without any spoilers, but like, and also fits well with our podcast. But what do you think of the production design? Um.
2: So interior stuff, um, I think, is it's quite low key, actually. A lot of the interior stuff, especially around the sort of MI6 side of things, yeah. which I like. I think there's a certain sense of um, you, you, have a, you understand that in Othello, it's all about this sort of enclosing of spaces. And uh, as the story develops, it gets closer and closer. So it's kind of showing. Right. It's becoming more internalized. I think with the MI6 stuff, there's a really nice focus on that where there's not massive, big sets. They're not showing hundreds of people all the time. I think it's just really nice focus on the, te- the core team, which is a focus of this film. And then for the rest of the film, you've got these enormous, really beautiful set pieces. And I think it's an amazing job with the the, the the sort of production on and the the sourcing of these locations that are used for the film. It's probably my... It might even be my first craig um film for sort of locations and production actually
1: that's really interesting yeah i think mark tildsley is the production design and i think that saffin's i think saffin's lair is exemplary like we've seen a lot of it in the trailer so again it's not really too much of a spoiler to say but um it felt to me sometimes like the work in blade runner 2049 i don't know if you saw that film but like in the way that you know reflections and and how light Mm -hmm. is being used and um I just love those sort of huge spaces that they created for, for Safin um, and his lair. Yes. Um, yeah, his lair's great. It was also, it was, that's a good sort of example of callback
2: type stuff because that harks back to old Bond films. Really old stuff, doesn't but it? But doesn't yeah. draw attention to yeah. it. It's not a copy of old Bond films, but you, when when that sort of whole sequence unveils, you go, oh, this is reminiscent of some of the good ones, but not because they've you know, wedged it
1: in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we could just touch upon Safin then. What did you make of Rami Malek in this film? Yeah, I think he's very good. I don't want to say too much about
2: him, but I think that what they've done quite a clever thing in this film in that um his he isn't necessarily the focus of this film. Bond is the focus of this film. Um and they could have made a mistake. Like Blofeld and Spectre was really the focus of Spectre. Yeah. All of the all of the kind of main storyline rolls around him Um, whereas Safin is more like a a sort of classical Bond villain in a lot of films where he's driving force behind what's happening but he's not the main character in it and I think I mean this is all about Bond it's a Bond it's a Bond film and it's about his character so I think Safin's very well placed and he's just uh, kind of used to the point where he is at the perfect
1: level of what you should be using a Bond villain for. Yeah. I said this to someone afterwards. I felt like his his presence and his web of, you know, people working for him felt more Spectre than the Spectre that we got in Spectre. I mean, that sounds a lot of Spectres,
2: but... Um... I mean, I, I was saying to you yesterday that I don't have many problems with this film. I still think the Spectre, the whole Spectre scenario, and I won't go into too much depth about how that sits in this film, but... It's still very confusing what all these people are doing all the time, um, and who's in charge, and, and how these people are sort of affecting each other. But yes, he is very Spectre-esque, which I don't think we've seen in an earlier Bond film. Nobody's been ahead of Spectre, have they? Nobody's. They've not, there's not been another big
1: crime organisation that's working at the same time as Spectre. No, no, I think that's uh, that is handled really nicely. Um, other characters that stood out for you, anyone in particular that you really enjoyed seeing? Uh, I really liked um, Anna
2: Danis. Yeah, yeah. Um I think she was fantastic. I think the scene that she's in or the, the, the main um, sort of uh, part of the film that she, she's got a big part in um, is really nice. She lights it up. She makes it really interesting. And the relationship she has with uh, Craig is really good. I think they bounce off each other. There's a lovely chemistry, but it's not like a romantic chemistry. They're just like... You just know they get on. There's a really nice line he says at the end of it where he, they ju- you just go, Oh cool, I'll get that now. It's they're not he's not trying to even romance her, he's just working alongside her. I do think she's underused. Um and uh she her part, I mean she she would have been fantastic as of a much bigger role in that film. Um but I did think she was great. I thought she was a, a fantastic bit of casting uh, for what she did. Um, who else? Who was the who
1: was playing the double agent? I, Nomi, I uh, Lasana Lynch.
2: Yes, N- Nomi, I think was okay. I, I expected more from her. Um, I just felt that she she was a bit like she was fine. I so, I got the purpose she's serving, but she seemed a bit bland for my liking. Oh, like she was there just to drive the motions off the back of Craig, as opposed to really becoming a sort of rounded character herself. Yeah,
1: I, I well, I, I disagree. I, I really liked LaSan Lynch in this. I thought she lit up the screen every time she was on. And I thought what was really cool when I was thinking about this the other day is um, the fact that she came in and she was the, the another double O and she was rubbing up against Bond. And when you think back to um, <laughs> Moonraker and it's a woman, you know, the, that, that whole thing, the fact that she's a woman is never even referenced. Bond has no issue with it. And I think that's re- that's no. really really smart of this film to. That's good.
2: Oh, well, that's the same. This whole film over, really. They've kind of cleared out any sort of unnecessary um, focus on the misogyny, know, making the fact yeah. that it's a woman yeah. part of the film. And that's probably good because they could have gone. I Imagine if they tried to do that in the 90s, they would have gone over the other way and started making. Well, as they did in uh, the 90s, they sort of made you know M a woman all that sort of stuff going. All in on the representation. The women the focus, yeah, yeah. But actually it has a negative effect because it shows that you're not just leveling the playing field across it. Um, I did think that she, what, the the relationship she has with Bond, I got a bit annoyed with because she's meant to be, and he, are meant to be like the best of the best. And they're meant to be in charge of saving the world. They did seem a bit childish. Um, mainly her; she was just like grumpy all the time, little like moody wisecracks. And annoyed a bit. I was thinking, look, just just focus on the job. You shouldn't be worried about that. He's he's like the guy who's
1: saved the world about twenty times. You should probably calm down and work with him. <laughs> um, okay, let's let's start wrapping things up though. But um, I mean, uh, in summary, for me, I, I said it was a, it's a very bold and emotional film, and I just wondered whether you felt any emotions from the film because the stuff I felt emotion from or the stuff that really made me you know start to empathise and and, and get to my heartstrings is stuff we can't really talk about Um, so but did did you get emotional at all with this film no (laughs) not at all I'm not an emotional man anyway
2: but I think that I I, I liked the characters I don't particularly and I, I never have in hardly any Bond films really a sort of emotional attachment to the main characters. I don't particularly. I'm mean, Craig. He's fine. I don't really love the character that he's playing. I think he's he he plays the role very well, but uh, in this film specifically. But um, even someone like uh, Madeline Swan, I just don't feel any emotion towards them. I don't really care. I think maybe Vesper. I probably felt a lot more sort of involved in her storyline and I wanted to find out more. So that was a bit of a shock in Casino Royale because you weren't expecting it and a character had developed to a point where you liked her. She was witty, she was cool, but she also had these different elements. Whereas Madeline Swan, I just don't get that. And um, I think that's the same with everyone. Maybe, um, even Naomi Harris and um sure. I like them, but I don't feel a connection really to them. I think they're good, but just their characters aren't that exciting for me. So no, I don't get any emotion from from this. Well, film. you're cold. You've got a cold, dead heart, then haven't you? Um, yeah. Uh, well, I, the only film I ever get any emotion for is uh, Arthur Christmas. So um, take from that what you will.
1: <laughs> Arthur Christmas. Let's leave it at that. Oh, one thing that me and Brendan were both sort of a little bit disappointed with was the title sequence. Um, the uh, the music, that the images that played over this song.
2: Yeah, I quite liked it actually. I, I I'm glad that they went for. Uh, I mean, it's not a groundbreaking one like Casino Royale. They've not gone all out and, and tried a new style, but I think there's a lot of elements, especially in the, the opening sequence, the sort of gun barrel sequence and the title sequence that do call back to earlier designs from previous films. And yes, it's not groundbreaking, but it did feel to me like a sort of, probably more like a more era um, uh, opening sequence with the way that they, they'd done it, um, like pictures of the, the enemies and and main characters in it, um, but I didn't mind it. I, I definitely and the song. I think the song's fantastic opener to a, to the film.
1: Yeah, actually, I've just remembered what I was going to say. Um, that uh, Madeline Swan, who you were just talking about, I sort of I think she's better in this film. She's there's she gets more to do. She's more interesting, but I still don't buy that <laughs> uh, chemistry between them. Like they say the right things and they act the right things, but I just don't see that there's a I just a, a natural spark I, I, between them.
2: She's definitely. I mean. You know, people aren't happy all the time, and uh, you know, people have rounded personalities, have bad days. But I've not seen her in any in either of these two films. Just smile, just, just, just once, and they, like all the relationship he has with Madeline Swan in Same as Inspector, the there's no sort of enjoyment in it. It's, it's, it always just feels to me like they're they're constantly dealing with something, and which they are. But I'd like to see another rounded element of that that
1: character where you know, she's, she's not stressed and worried about something. Right. Very good. Let's, let's wrap things up there, but it's overall, it's the thumbs up from you, right? And it's yes, a big thumbs, thumbs up, up from, me. from me as well. And I can't wait for everyone to see the film. Um Hopefully you haven't had too many spoilers for it. And especially if you're in Australia. Oh my God, I can't. When? When's it November. coming out there? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Bloody. So I feel really bad for them, but um yeah. Um, if, if people want to get in touch with the show, you can email us on podcast at to Z.co.uk um, I don't know how much more of No Time to Die we're going to do, um, but there's a chance we may do something more a bit down the line. But mm. well, it's going to be a couple of years until we get onto the actual. I think film, it'll be next. I think, I think I think by the looking at the alphabet, I think it'll be next summer we'll get to it. So that'll be great to really revisit it then with nice. some time. We'll, we'll have the time, Blu-rays and, by um, then. Time between us um, between it uh what am i trying to say yeah and then if you want to find us on social we're at james bond a to z but uh yeah it's been a pleasure to see this film i'm so excited that it's out it's such a great thrill to see this film uh, after all this this wait.
2: i'm just looking forward to the sort of newspaper tabloid articles slowing down now it's, it's already come out because they're getting relentless just random yeah. points that people well, are. now making it's going and to be like the, com-
1: the conversation is going to be what next that's it the film's out what next
2: Oh, yeah, we've got thousands and thousands of articles about the next yeah, Bond coming yeah. out. Some random things someone said at one point at a party. <laughs>
1: right, well, thanks for listening. Uh, this has been the James Bond A to Z podcast and James Bond A to Z will return next week. Thanks a lot. Ciao.
2: The James Bond A to Z podcast features Tom Butler, Brendan Duffy and Tom Wheatley. The podcast was produced by Tom Wheatley with music by Tom ingram and artwork supplied by Helen Dolly. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports
0: gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar.